most of the mentors in my life don't even know I'm alive. I've either read all their books or listened to all their podcasts or watched their TV programs or chased them around the nation, you know, listening to them keynote. I'm kind of a deadhead on the leadership side, right? I like to watch and listen to people that have mentored me. Most of the people that have mentored me have had a fundamental impact on my leadership skill because I was open. I was curious. I stopped trying to be the genius, but moved to become the genius maker of others. Ending Small Business Failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, America's number one small business expert. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. We have an amazing show for you tonight. And if you think it might be time to brush up on your leadership skills, well, I have a best-selling author here who's going to tell us about his new book on mentoring. And certainly, if you want to build your management skills, my guest has amazing advice for how to do just that. Now, here on the Small Biz Chat Podcast, our mission is to end small business failure. This show is for you. I bring in top experts who give advice from multiple angles, all with the mission to take your business to the next level. Now, hopefully you're joining us watching the Small Biz Chat Podcast from my YouTube channel or my Facebook page. And as always, if you hear something great, leave us a comment. Better yet, subscribe to my channel so that you never miss another episode of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. So with that, let me introduce my next guest. Now, I have to take a little point of privilege because he is one of my favorite business authors. His name is Scott Jeffrey Miller, and he is a leadership expert, and he is a keynote speaker, best-selling author. He's the creator of Ignite Your Genius Career Coaching. He's the former CMO of Franklin Covey Company, and now he serves as a special advisor on thought leadership to Franklin Covey and hosts their podcast on leadership. He keynotes for clients worldwide, writes a column for Inc., and he's the author of the Mess to Success book series and the Master Mentor series. His latest book, Master Mentors, Volume 2, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds, features insights from leading thinkers, including Guy Kawasaki, Tiffany Alchel, Marie Folio, and Ed Millette. For more information, go to scottjeffreymiller.com. Scott, welcome back to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Melinda, thank you for the spotlight. Thank you for the platform. Most importantly, when Master Mentors Volume 3 comes out in 2023, you are one of the 30 Master Mentors. Looking forward to uh, sharing some of the transformational insights from you on the podcast that I host. Oh man, that that's like, that's a serious compliment because I know you only interview A players, right? You don't fool with these B player people that want to be, <laughs> you don't fool with those people. So I feel very honored that you would even think of me. So one of the things that we have never talked about on this podcast, Scott, was what made you leave Franklin Covey after 25 years 
you're the CMO of the company. What in the world made you decide, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go start a business. Like, tell me why you decided to do that. Because everybody quits their seven-figure job in the middle of a pandemic, right? After 25 <laughs> years. You know, you kind of said it. I, I was very privileged to have become an executive officer in this global public company, the most trusted leadership firm in the world. They poured into me for 25 years, but that was kind of it. I mean, public company, 25 years, that's 100 quarters. So for those of you who've worked in public companies, you are judged by your last quarter. So I spent a hundred quarters trying to hit Wall Street expectations and, you know, missed a few and hit a lot. And I needed, I needed to change. I needed, I needed a bit of a break. Quite frankly, Melinda, I read your book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. And I realized that I had a massive network, but the network was inside of this global company. So I needed about three years runway to figure out what was my competence? What was my brand? build a network outside the company. So it actually took me three years to exit. I talked with the board and the chairman for about a year and a half and planned my exit quite deliberately. Was not, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't um, public about it, but I was very strategic and very trustworthy about it. And I think because I took such a long runway to methodically plan my business, followed a lot of the points in your book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, it has launched me into success probably faster than I would have Otherwise, although I am haunted and listening with riveting attention to both Melanie and Brooke when it comes to cash flow and understanding how to make your investments and build your your um, your your network. So you one of the things that you've done in addition to building your own coaching and consulting business is you have become a book writing machine. I mean, I. <laughs> Look, I've written four books and I get it, but you write four a year. So I need you to help me understand how you have built processes in your business that allow you to produce content. I mean, I am a master content developer. Yes. And I sit in awe of you, my friend. So I need you to help me understand how have you built, you know, two different series, book series and, and, you know, keynoting all over the world, literally, how have you built this machine to be able to do that? I mean, how big is your team? It's just caffeine. It's just, you know, lots of caffeine. No, I honestly, again, let's not mistake quantity over quality. You have quality books. I have a lot of books coming out. You know, I, like you, I'm privileged to host a podcast. The On Leadership Podcast is now the world's largest weekly Leadership podcast. It's about seven million each Tuesday. Like you, I'm privileged to host an interview guests where a lot of the content just flows. So if you read the books that I write, I'm really just regurgitating the genius that guests on the podcast have shared with their permission. I just share the transformational insights that they've talked about and then share my own journey around how I either struggled with it or hope to perfect it in my life. So my books are not good to great or built to last. They're sort of, you know, chicken soup for the leadership soul. They're easy, they're fast, they're breezy, they're short. I think, you know, most um, most publishers want you to have 75,000 words and most authors have 35,000 words, which is why nobody's ever read the second half of any large business book because the second half sucks. So I just write the first half and people tend to finish them. So it's kind of just the simplicity of just writing until I can't write anymore. And it's usually about 35,000 words. <laughs> I, I know 
that you're very methodical about what you write. And I have to say, my favorite book of yours is that every every everyone deserves a great oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. My favorite book of yours. You you have written many, but that's one I personally love. So your your master, your master mentor series, you're back with volume two. Yeah. And I was curious around you have a leadership podcast, yet you decided to focus on on mentorship. And so I was trying to understand, you know, why is mentorship such a critical factor, you think, in 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 business success, whether you're in a large business or or running a small business? Well, so I spent my 30 year career in the leadership industry, and I'm a little bit of a pariah amongst the competition because I don't believe everyone should be a leader of people. Just like not everyone should be an anesthesiologist, not everybody should be a commercial airline pilot, not everyone should be a leader of people. But if you are going to lead people because you are an entrepreneur or you own your own business, then there are things that you have to master. And I think that comes often from great mentorship. I don't know about you, but I've never met a successful leader that didn't have a mentor who believed in him or her, oftentimes greater than they even believed in themselves. Uh, All my success has come from people believing in me more than I believed in myself at a certain period of time. I also think mentorship means different things to different people. Most of us think mentorship, oh, is we'll just go to the C-suite and the CFO or the CMO or the COO will mentor us. And they're usually older and wiser. And that, in fact, is true. But I'll tell you, Melinda, most of the mentors in my life don't even know I'm alive. I've either read all their books or listened to all their podcasts or watched their TV programs or chased them around the nation, you know, listening to them keynote. I'm kind of a deadhead on the leadership side, right? I like to watch and listen to people that have mentored me. Most of the people that have mentored me have had a fundamental impact on my leadership skill because I was open. I was curious. I stopped trying to be the genius, but moved to become the genius maker of others. To quote Liz Wiseman, who wrote this seminal book, Multipliers. I think it's the best leadership book ever written. If you are a leader and struggling to become a better leader, one of the master mentors from volume one is Liz Wiseman. Her book, Multipliers, changed the leadership landscape. So I think mentorship, both as a mentee and as a mentor, are instrumental on everybody's path to leadership. It's a journey. We're learning, we're maturing, two steps forward, one step back for all of us. In my case, one step forward, two steps back for most of my career. Well, one of the things that I have always thought um, since I've become the small business lady was that you really do have to grow yourself to grow your business. And I think that a lot of that is about how can you become intentional about growing your leadership skills? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's all these people out here saying, oh, you're a born leader. You're a born. Well, no, I actually don't think that's true. I think you can see leadership abilities in someone, but that doesn't mean that, you know, they're a full grown leader. Right. And there's all these people that are late blossomers and all this kind of stuff. But um, how can one be intentional about growing their leadership skills? You know, I think Melanie said it so wise when she talks about how important it is to recognize if and when your identity, your sense of self is caught up in your title, is caught up in your positional power. I think it was John Maxwell said, you know, for all of us, we think we're leaders. And if you're climbing a mountain and you look behind you and no one's there, no, you're a hiker. 
you're not a leader. It's a great metaphor to be reminded about. So if you're going to be a leader, you've got to really be mindful that you aren't the genius. You don't know everything about everything, and you've got to have a curious mindset. I, I think of Dr. Stephen R. Covey, the founder of our company. Of course, he wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This book has sold 50 million copies. I learned so much from Stephen. But what I, what I, one of the most profound concepts, Melinda, was this idea of humble leaders are more concerned with what is right than being right. right. For too many decades, I entered every meeting, every conversation wanting to be right. For whatever reason, my ego was tied up in, well, I'm the boss, so I'm the expert, I'm the genius, I'm the chief marketing officer, so I have to know everything about email and marketing automation and SEO and you know the latest PMS caller. No, your job is to be a magnet of talent. Your job is to be humble enough to recognize, I don't know everything, but I want to go find those who do. Recruit them into the company, not be threatened by them, and then build a culture where they choose to stay. I think most leaders think their job is to create engagement. That's not true. Some human resource genius said that. No, leaders don't create engagement. Leaders create the conditions whereby other people choose their own level of engagement, high or low. And so your job as a leader is to be super self-aware. Your job is to make sure you create a culture where people choose to bring their best. They choose to give their mind, their heart, their body, their genius to you, and they choose to stick around. That's tough. That's tough in a, in a market where the average tenure now is 18 months and where, you know, historically, 70s, 80s, 90s, the 2000s, we all had a leadership default style. And we expected everybody to align to it. That don't work no more. You've got to have an individualized leadership style. What does Melanie need from me? What does Brooke need from me? What does Melinda need from me? Leadership's tougher than ever. And so you've got to be able to communicate, listen, lead, coach, give feedback to people on their blind spots, because Melanie's going to want that feedback differently than Brooke is going to. And so, yes, I have to, in fact, treat everyone differently. You can still treat people equitably and fairly while still treating them differently. One of the things that people, I hear people talk about as it relates to mentorship is that mentorship should be a two-way street, you know, and, and that the mentor needs to get something out of it too, not just be serving the, the mentee. But as the junior person in the relationship, how can you add value to the relationship, you know, as a junior person, you know, up and comer, you know, trying to sort of like navigate your way? So many ways. I, I love the mindset that mentorship is a two-way street. By the way, you know, I have some strong opinions on what the roles of a mentor should be and should not be. I think most of us try to mentor. Well, if I was you, don't ever say that because you're not me. And I don't have your Ivy League degree. I don't have your charisma. I don't have your background. I don't have, you know, any of that. I only have what I have. So if you're a mentor, be very careful about not trying to turn your mentee into a mini version of you. Now, to your question around the two-way street, I mentor too many people. <laughs> and when I do this, I learn so much from them, whether it's about what's hot on TikTok or how to use Google Docs, right? Or how to stop, you know, how to create a pivot table in Excel. I mean, as an officer at a company, I was fortunate to have a team of people that supported me in a lot of things that 
required me to become a bit of a troglodyte technology-wise. And so I've had to learn a lot of things, but I make sure that I'm a voracious learner. I hopefully have a growth mindset that when I come into this, although I'm mentoring you on perhaps lessons that I've learned, well, if you do this, then this might happen. And if you do that, then this might happen. But I make sure that I have an open mindset to realize this person has genius to teach me. How do I just uncover it? How do I help discover it? I always finish my mentor sessions with, hey, can I ask you a question? I notice your social media, you do this, or I notice you use this a lot, this word a lot. And can you tell me why that's so important to you? I love to listen to people's journeys. And so if you're a mentee, I think inherently you're there to learn from the mentor, but don't shy away from being able to mentor your leader as well. Most of my mentees have enormous things to teach me. They're typically around relationships, how to work with different generations. How do they want to be led? How does my style work or not work for them? Oftentimes, it's around social media and other technology issues. What are they reading? What are they not reading? I mean, a great, here's a great example. I know our time is tight, but I teach a class in my church to young teenage boys around uh, sexuality and, and kind of the human body. And I walk into that class and I have eight or 10 print magazines in my briefcase at any given day. I still read and print books and magazines. These young ninth graders have never held a magazine in their hand. They think I'm 100 years old. I carry magazines around airports. I like to read and print. They think I'm a dinosaur. And for me, I can't imagine not carrying around nine magazines everywhere I go. And so I like to figure out, so how do you read? Hopefully they do, but it's fascinating to learn from them, you know, who's my future reader? It's not them. My books have to be in audio and in video. So I produce every book. I read my own audio books, and now I produce my books in videos. You can watch my books now in 45 minutes because that's the next generation. I learned that from my mentees. Interesting. Interesting. Well, speaking of books, let's talk about your new book. Master Mentors, 30 Transformation Insights on Our Greatest Minds, Volume 2. You've got some of my friends in this one. Guy Kawasaki, Tiffany Alto. Um, I have never met uh, Marie Folio, but I, but, but I have been in the same room with Ed Millette. So tell me about your favorite, favorite interview from this book, from the new book. Well, Ed Milet is like a force of nature, right? I mean, he's a social media icon. The story he shares about buying a Velcroed car, he literally bought a kit car that was a Chrysler LeBaron, but it had a Mercedes body Velcroed to it. And the police called him, pulled him aside, and the car fell apart. I mean, it was just a riot. You've got to listen to the story. But I think my favorite mentor is master mentor number 32. It's a man by the name of... Um, Bobby Herrera. He's a very successful entrepreneur, and he wrote a book called The Gift of Struggle. He's Mexican by birth and Texan by choice, and he wrote a book that just talks about how important struggle is in our lives. Melanie and Brooke both talked about that in their sections, and he shares a story of how when he was in high school, he and his brother played on the high school football team, and he was, I think, one of nine children, so you know, economic means were pretty tight, and Every Friday night, the football team would take the bus after playing football and go to a local restaurant. And all the kids would get off the bus and go have dinner, except for the Herrera brothers. Because you couldn't both have football cleats and dinner. So Bobby and his brothers stayed on the bus every night. Everyone knew they didn't go into dinner. Until one night, 
one of the fathers came back on the bus. Now, this was not Ruth's Chris. This was like Sizzler, right? It wasn't, you know, a super expensive dinner, but there wasn't even $6 for dinner. One night, one of the fathers came back on the bus and said, hey, gentlemen, I want you to be my guest for dinner. I'm going to pay. No one's going to know. And all I ask in return is that someday in the future, you do the same for somebody else. And Bobby says it was the first time in his life he ever felt seen by another person. He felt invisible. He, he couldn't see a day in front of him. And this one guy named Harold Teague, a fairly successful businessman, a father to one of the other players, boarded that bus and invited them to dinner on his tab. 30 years later, Bobby becomes this wildly successful entrepreneur, launches this book called The Gift of Struggle. I encourage all your listeners, don't buy my book. Go buy Bobby's book, The Gift of Struggle. Go buy Melinda's book. Go buy Liz Wiseman's book. 30 years later, he launches this book in front of 150 friends. He finds the father that he hadn't talked to in 30 years. His name was Harold Teague. He was still alive. He flies him into the book launch party. And he shares this whole story, not a tear, not a, not a dry eye in the house, standing ovation. Harold Teague flies back home, calls up Bobby here the next day and said, I remember this, but I had no idea the impact on you. And the, and the moral of the story is simply, you know, who have you made feel seen today by a really well-earned, deliberate, specific compliment? Like perhaps a hand on a shoulder, something like, I love how passionate you are about your family. I love how 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 focused you are on the quality of your work. All of us were made to be felt seen by someone in our life. And this transformational insight is as a leader, who will you make feel seen today? Mm. And 29 other stories more fantastical than that. Well, that's a heck of a, that's a heck of a story. I mean, I'm like fighting back tears right there now. There are stories of people who fell out of airline planes and live to tell about it they survived crashes remarkable story wait till volume three when you lead or you read that insight from our host melinda emerson that's gonna be good uh, oh gosh well listen you 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 like we saved the best for last i think that was not such hardly a- not i am in the i am in the presence of greatness with brooke and melly melanie not even close not even close well, listen, you've been so gracious and awesome tonight. I can't thank you enough for coming on the Small Biz Chat podcast. Special thanks to leadership expert and bestselling author, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Everyone go out and grab his brand new book, Master Mentors, Volume 2. I promise you it's a good one. And if you're interested in learning about what kind of boss you might be, head over to bossquiz.com. It's not a quiz. It's actually going to give you a 12-page business assessment about what is going to be the right type of business for you. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and I'm so glad that you spent time with me on the Small Biz Chat podcast. And I will leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.